This podcast was recorded on April 20th, 2020. It reflects our views at the time of the recording and should be used as reference only. We recommend that you talk to your Warren Abert advisor or another business advisor for the most current information or for guidance specific to your organization. Welcome to The Wrap, a Warren Averett podcast for business leaders designed to help you access vital business information and trends when you need it so you can listen, learn, and then get on with your day. Time is tight. That's why our advisors have wrapped up today's most timely topics into a podcast with actionable advice. Now, let's get down to business. Hey, Paul. Hey, Kim. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. The sun's shining and it's a new week, new, uh, new opportunities. So absolutely looking forward to the conversation today. Yeah. So just a refresher for our listeners, we've been doing these special episodes of the wrap in light of all of the changes that all of us are facing right now and specifically business owners. And we're trying to pick topics that are of interest to the business owners and in, in helping them make decisions that they're having to make in real time. And today is a follow-up to a previous conversation. And, and I think it's probably going to be another episode in a series of episodes related to the same topic. This is in relation to the SBA 7A loan program, also known as PPP, which is the Payroll Protection Program. Absolutely. And uh, I think we should probably start calling it the Adam West series since he's going to be on every single one of these. With us today are two guests from our internal COVID-19 task force within the firm. Adam West, a tax partner, is with us as well as David Crabtree, one of our audit partners out of the Atlanta office with you, Kim. Hey guys, welcome. Hey, how are you? Hey, how you doing, Paul and Kim? Good. Happy to have you back, Adam. And welcome, David. Glad to be here. So Adam, let's pick up where we left off on the previous episode. Can you give us an overview and a status of the SBA 7A loan program? Yeah, so last time we talked, uh, the the act was very new and businesses um, were trying to figure out how to go out and apply for a loan. We actually didn't have guidance, um, even on the loan application process and, and different costs that should be included. Since then, you know, almost three weeks ago, and it feels like months ago, um, a lot of businesses have obtained loans or they're, or, they're, or they're waiting to receive funding. And now everyone is shifting their focus for those that have received a loan, shifting their focus to managing their loan proceeds and maximizing loan forgiveness. And as we'll talk about today, there's a lot of unanswered questions uh, that we need guidance from the SBA on. And then one thing we're also keeping an eye on is the, you know, of course, the funding ran out last week. So we're expecting more funding to get approved this week so the businesses that haven't been able to obtain funding um, can get their applications in. It also, one recent development is the social security deferral for those businesses that have applied for or obtained a PPP loan. So just a quick reminder or overview, you know, the social security deferral is available for businesses as part of the CARES Act and allows them to defer the employer side of social security, which is 6.2%. So not the Medicare uh, portion, but that 6.2% businesses are eligible to defer that under the CARES Act. Originally, there was some uh, confusion and a lack of clarity about whether businesses that obtained a PPP loan could also defer taxes, defer the employer side of social security taxes under the CARES Act. So the IRS released additional guidance uh, about a week ago that said businesses that have obtained a PPP loan are eligible to defer 
social security taxes, the employer side, up until the date they receive a decision on loan forgiveness from their lender. Well, if you just look at the, you know, the timing, most businesses won't receive a, a decision on loan forgiveness until September, October, possibly not even November. Um, so that is a, a, you know, big new development and very favorable guidance uh, for those companies that have obtained or applied for a PPP loan, you're still eligible to defer social security taxes, uh, the employer side. All right, David. So let's jump in real quick. Let's assume now that a business got the loan. What expenses are eligible for the loan forgiveness piece? Sure. Under the PPP, uh, payroll costs and uh, rent, utilities, and mortgage interest on real or personal property debt obligations are covered. Now, what does that mean exactly? For uh, payroll costs, it's any salaries, wages, commissions, or similar compensation, paid time off, parental leave, medical, sick leave, health coverage, benefits are all included as part of your payroll costs. Now, there's, there's a few different exceptions there, uh, one being that it has to be an employee that's principal place of residence is in the United States, along with any compensation in excess of 100000 per year uh, is not included in what is covered. Also, uh, what should not be included is the federal unemployment taxes or in the employer side of the FICA taxes, along with any qualified sick or uh, family leave wages under section 7001 and 7003 of the Families First Coronavirus Act. So David, that's a pretty lengthy description of what qualifies as payroll costs, but what I didn't hear was whether or not independent contractors who are paid through 1099s, are those considered as payroll costs in terms of the loan forgiveness? As we understand it, that they are not, uh, independent contractors are not included. Uh, there was confusion because as part of the loan application process, independent contractors would be counted as part of the headcount to qualify for the 500 or less employees but independent contractor costs are not included in the calculation for your loan. And so by that interpretation or understanding of it not being included as far as your payroll costs in the loan, it's likely not included in your payroll costs for the covered period. So David, on these expenses, are we talking cash or accrual? Let's say a company gets the proceeds in the middle of a payroll period. Can they use those proceeds to pay the previous week's payroll or do they have to use it for the the coming week's payroll? That's a, that's a great question, Paul, and one that we, um, you know, we're going to need further guidance on. As the CARES Act refers to uh, the eligible expenses as being costs incurred and payments made during the covered period. Uh, and so the covered period is that eight-week period in which um, from the date that you've received your loan proceeds. The payments made portion of that clause implies a cash basis of accounting. Uh, however, the cost incurred uh, leaves open the possibility that, you know, Congress actually intended uh, more for an accrual basis of accounting. Uh, so that's just one area that we're just going to have to continue to look uh, to the guidance for on uh, what expenses are, are eligible for forgiveness. Want to receive a monthly newsletter with wrap topics? Head on over to warrenaverett.com forward slash the wrap and subscribe to our email list to have it delivered right to your inbox. So Adam, it seems like this could be somewhat of a record keeping nightmare. What do you suggest businesses do to help with the records? 
So we've talked with a lot of lenders. Most lenders are recommending that the borrower set up a separate bank account to maintain the loan proceeds. And, and we think that's a great idea. We're recommending that borrowers do that. And I think you can kind of view your proceeds and managing those kind of like a construction draw account. And, you know, when you look at this and what the act says about the documentation that will have to be submitted for loan forgiveness, it's very detailed. The act mentions, you know, actual invoices being submitted with your documentation. So we're recommending that, you know, all borrowers now, while we're waiting on guidance, at a minimum, obtain, you know, everything that they have to support uh, expenditures. And then when we get this guidance, we'll, we'll see what it looks like. But now I think you just have to be accumulating everything you can and being as detailed as possible, keeping track of your expenses. So a question that I'm getting a lot of, Adam, is whether or not it matters if I cut my checks directly out of the separate bank account, or can I maintain my payroll account where payroll is already being drafted and just transfer funds from the separate account with a good paper trail showing what those funds were? So based on what we know today, you know, we would recommend cutting separate checks, you know, for those expenses where you can. For example, if you're making a, a mortgage payment, then, you know, we would recommend cutting separate checks for the principal and interest portions of the payment. Uh, as far as payroll goes, I mean, that obviously presents logistical challenges for businesses that already have their payroll set up to draft out of certain accounts. You know, we think it's it, it will be okay to transfer uh, your qualifying payroll cost from your PPP loan account to your payroll account. And you, you know, really, I don't think you can be too careful here. You know, some people may think that's overkill, but I think, you know, right now while we're awaiting guidance, I think it's best uh, to be cautious and uh, be as meticulous as you can with, you know, how you're spending the proceeds and the, the paper trail that you're creating. Yeah, it seems to me that the bottom line is the simpler, the better when you're trying to go through the process of justifying your expenses to qualify for full forgiveness. So the easier you can make your tracking of expenses as clear as possible to meet those expectations, I think the better you'll be. Yeah, Kim, I agree, I agree with that. And that really kind of jumps into another question. And David, I'll throw this to you from auditor to auditor. Um, I always have the term, if you didn't document it, you didn't do it, right? So That's right. what other recommendations do you have for kind of managing documentation during this time? Absolutely. Um, you know, keeping up with the documentation is going to be very important. And, you know, the more organized you can be, the better. Um, the, the CARES Act actually, you know, it it puts it out there that certain documentation is going to be provided uh, for payroll costs. You know that that includes documentation of your full-time equivalent employees for each payroll and the, and the pay rates for those employees. So you know maintaining your payroll registers and having those for every single payroll uh, available to be submitted. Um, payroll tax filings that are reported to the IRS or your your respective state for income you know state income taxes or unemployment insurance will also be. Uh, required. Uh, so we recommend keeping track of your, your full-time equivalents for each pay period and having that calculation once we have that guidance on how that's going to be calculated. Uh, for your other, other covered expenses, statements from your bank for your mortgage payments, uh, for the interest portion, receipts, um, you know, if you have a, you know, rent, you know, the lease agreement, uh, check or cancel check that shows what was paid, 
uh, utilities, you know, the, the bill from the utility company. Uh, the other piece too is that for the mortgage interest, rent and utilities, all those had to be in place by February 15th, 2020. So, you, you know, you may have to prove, prove uh, when those uh, contracts were in place. And then, you know, so as part of, you know, maintaining all this information as each payment is made, you want to have a file for all this. And, you know, as part of the loan forgiveness, we anticipate all this inf information is going to be submitted to the bank um, as part of your certification that this information is correct and it's true uh, and it's, it's certifiable. So just playing it safe and uh, not being too careful with uh, maintaining all this documentation is our recommendation. Yeah, and I think that you can never really, in, in the control space where I play, you can never really have too much documentation, right? So right. Uh, you definitely don't want to get caught on the other side of that, which is too little documentation and having to re-justify what you did or how you did it. Correct. I 100% agree with you. So let's take the other side of the documentation question. Let's go to the financial statement side. Uh, how do I report all these transactions in my financial statements? Is this considered unusual transactions? You know, under the current guidance that we have for FASB, this would be a debt modification and the amount that is forgiven would go through your income statement. Uh, and it would be recognized as a um, forgiveness of loan of some sort. And it would have to be a separately disclosed item on your financials. Uh, so that would hit, hit your income statement as income for book purposes. Um, and then if there is an, a portion that is not forgiven, then that would uh, stay on the balance sheet, uh, you know, to be paid over the term of the loan. So Adam, we heard from the audit partner how it should be presented on the financial statements, but coming from the tax perspective, how is this treated for tax purposes? So in the act, they specifically uh, mentioned that the loan forgiveness itself is not taxable income. Um, so we know that. But one thing um, that we've been looking at is, are the expenses paid with these loan proceeds tax deductible? To really understand that, you have to look at uh, Section 265, which says expenses that are paid with tax-exempt income are not deductible. So clearly, you know, the loan forgiveness is tax-exempt. Congress may have to step in and amend Section 265 for these expenses uh, to be deductible, uh, which is a very interesting issue. And it really boils down to, you know, what did Congress intend when this law was written? It'll be interesting to see uh, what they do. And Adam, as you know, the, the largest tax legislation reform that we had run through uh, a little more than a year ago now, there were several things that had to go back and be amended because of of the way that it was cross-referenced in other in other sections so i imagine there will be some follow-up on this as well as you indicated but let's move into the next phase of this whole program the loan forgiveness piece and as i understand it there's four steps in this process so can you walk us through those four steps sure and i'm just going to give you a very high level overview of these so as David mentioned earlier, you know, step one, um, you, you look at your qualifying expenses, which are, are payroll costs, and then your non-payroll costs. And, and your non-payroll costs would be rent, utilities, and, and interest expense. So that's step one. You have to spend the proceeds on qualifying expenses, and then no more than 25% of your loan proceeds can be spent on non-payroll costs and be forgiven. 
So that's, you know, definitely something that you have to keep an eye on. So step one, spend the proceeds on qualifying expenses. And then step two basically requires the borrower to maintain full-time equivalent employees compared to two different time periods that the borrower can choose from. And to the extent that you do not maintain FTEs, your loan forgiveness will be proportionately reduced. Step three is a salary reduction um, calculation to where anybody making less than $100,000 a year, uh, the borrower is not able to reduce their wages by more than 25%. So if you reduce wages for anybody making less than $100,000 a year, if you reduce those wages by more than 25%, you'll receive a reduction in your loan forgiveness for whatever portion is in excess of that 25% threshold. And then step four is what I refer to as the, the June 30th restoration test. And, and it functions like a safe harbor to where if you restore your FTEs and you restore wages to where they were pre-COVID-19, the reductions in your loan forgiveness that you calculate in steps two and three are ignored. So you would receive 100% loan forgiveness on the qualifying expenses that you had. So just to sum that up, you know, really what you're required to do, step one, you have to spend the proceeds on qualifying expenses within the parameters. Step two, if you reduce headcount, you will be deemed for that in your loan forgiveness calculation. Step three, if you reduce wages by more than 25% for employees making less than 100,000 per year, you will receive a reduction in your loan forgiveness. And then step four basically says, hey, we realize, you know, it's going to take companies some time to, you know, basically be going full speed again. So if you're able to restore headcount and wages by June 30th, we will ignore those reductions in your loan forgiveness in steps two and three. Adam, can you go back to what you were talking about? Can you, how do you calculate those FTE employees? Yeah, so the FTEs, you know, they're not specifically defined in the act and how they will be calculated. But the general consensus is that it will be similar to the Affordable Care Act, the, the, the ACA, um, such that employees who work 30 hours or more per week will be considered a full-time employee. And then all employees working less than 30 hours will be a week will be considered part-time employees. Um, and then you will basically take the hours of all of your part-time employees, aggregate those on a monthly basis, and divide by 120 to determine your, your FTEs among your part-time employees. So it's essentially two parts. You're going you're gonna to count all of your full-time employees, which are those who work more than 30 hours, and then you will aggregate all your part-time employees, and those are converted by taking all of their hours and dividing by 120 on a monthly basis. As I've been listening to y'all talk, a lot of stuff is as the guidance says today, or as we understand it today. And back to the conversation with David on documentation, it's probably a good idea for folks to determine, you know, when they make a decision on how they're going to do something that they document as of this date, this is what I decided because that was the guidance as of the date. If it changes later on, that's one thing. But if you're trying to document and show why you did or how you did something, that's probably also a a really good recommendation is to document the days you did it so that you can go back to the guidance and go, well, that's what we knew as of that date. So David, here on The Wrap, we always ask our guests to wrap this conversation up in 60 seconds or less. What is the key takeaway you want our listeners to hear from today? 
Uh, sure, Kim. Uh, all businesses need to have a plan for how they intend to uh, spend spend these funds, and also have a plan for how they're going to maintain documentation for these expenses. More organized you can be on the front end and main, maintenance of documentation and records, uh, the better you will have uh, in going through the certification of loan forgiveness at the end of this process. And two, I would just say that, you know, a lot of businesses are making decisions based upon this loan forgiveness and know that, you know, the guidance has not been issued yet and uh, things could change that are changing those, those decisions. So we just recommend that uh, you, you stay plugged in with uh, any of the upcoming releases of guidance on uh, the loan forgiveness calculation. You know, if you have questions or, or need, need advice, uh, you can reach out to us and we can help you. Thanks, David. Thanks, Adam. I appreciate y'all being here. I'm sure we're going to have to have a follow-up conversation uh, in a couple months, but we look forward to continue conversation and thanks for your advice and help. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. And um, we'll probably see you very soon after this guidance uh, is released. Looking forward to it. Thanks for having us, guys. And that's a wrap. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a review on your streaming platform. To check out more episodes, subscribe to our podcast series, or make a suggestion for other topics to cover, visit us at warrenaverett.com forward slash the wrap.